We discussed yesterday who would be assigned this duty, and <laughs> we also discussed it wasn't going to be me. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in downtown Milwaukee, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Vetrano. Coming up on 512 here on this Tuesday morning. Am I in the minority on this one? I think I am. Like, just uh, based on everybody's reaction. Or is your initial reaction not really your reaction when you think about it? I think the latter is also true. Are you referring to this bill being proposed? Yes. So, under a bill proposed in the Wisconsin State Legislature, Wisconsin would become the only state in the union where people as young as 14 could serve alcohol. Right now in Wisconsin, it's 18. Two states have 16. Not at a bar, but like if you were taking them to the table, right? Something like right. that. Right. So you're you want to hire a 14 year old to be on your wait staff at a restaurant, and Eric's out for dinner, and you order a beer. That 14 year old would be able to bring you that beer. Yeah. I think I'm in the minority right now. I, it's like, no, I, eh, fine, well, great. No, I'm well. I'm always skeptical of everything. I just. Uh, is this, a, is this really a dramatic need, I guess, is my question. I think every restaurant is struggling to find staff. That's true. Struggling to find staff. Struggling to find staff. So if you've got young people who are willing to work, but you can't put them to work over here because of this, yeah. I guess it's just one other restriction that makes it tougher to hire people. I'm just like, I, what's the downside? Like, we're all, like, it was on NBC's early today. Oh, yeah. It was oh, like yeah. a big, like, this is national news. Well, I, I mean... The easy answer would be mixing underage kids with alcohol, even though they're not drinking it or consuming it. They're around it. They're so they're going to it. see a beer and think, I, I'll have some of that. I, I think I'll have a huge party at my house. <laughs> I was heretofore so, so, una- unawares that there so was alcohol. So that Wisconsin's on the forefront of this. We're, we're so well, progressive we would, in we our would ability. We would be a leader on You know this. what? We are a leader. We're going to let younger <laughs> kids serve alcohol because that's how progressive we are okay. here. There is that. No medicinal marijuana or anything, but we'll take care of this problem. <laughs> we'll get right on top of this. Because a lot of 14-year-olds just pining to serve beer. I, you know, like, I, I think it, it's a good it's a good headline. It's a good discussion. I just, just sampling the reaction of everyone, like, 14, whoa. And then, like, you think about it. You're like, yeah, okay, it's a kid bringing someone in a restaurant a beer. See, I would, if, if, you, if I had uh, my pick, I'd pick for the kid to be able to ring my beer up at the grocery store. Like, that would be a bigger yeah, help for go. me. Tick, 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 tick. Right, because they always have to get the other person to go That's do right. that. I have to get someone to check you out. Yeah. See that would that would help my life more than sitting at the restaurant. I think in the grocery store, your concern there is is the kids serving underage people. You know, like a bunch of friends come piling through, and they're like, uh, "Yeah, you didn't even check their ID." Something like that. I mm. suppose that makes more sense to me than disallowing teens who are gainfully employed at a restaurant from serving carrying customers, carrying the draft from right. the bar to the table. We're not saying they stay till bar time. You know, going, what was the Tom Cruise movie? Cocktail Hour or whatever. Oh, cocktail, yeah. Yeah, cocktail. <laughs> Not expecting them mixing up Manhattans. <laughs> it's 5.15. Brandon Snide has sports coming up next. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. The Milwaukee Brewers are back in action tonight, and they begin a six-game road trip in Colorado, three against the Rockies and three against the San Francisco Giants before they return home next week. The Brewers are currently 18-10, and making them third in the National League in wins. 
A big reason why, despite so many injuries, guys are just simply stepping up. Our, our depth has performed well, and it's been it's been critical, and it's it's going to continue to be critical because you know not much, you know maybe a couple guys close, but um, there's, there's these are going to be some lengthy absences still. I guess the guys you mentioned are you know at least a month away still, so it's going to continue to be important. Um, it's it's tested sooner than we would have liked, but so far we've done a good job withstanding it. Freddie Peralta is slated to get the start for the Brew Crew tonight with the first pitch scheduled for 740. You can tune in right here on WTMJ beginning at 705. Now that the NFL draft is complete, the Packers are back on the clock for yet another big decision. The team has until 3 p.m. today to pick up or decline the fifth-year option on Jordan Love's rookie contract. We're kind of still working through that. We've been so focused on the draft. We've had some preliminary conversations, but we'll get to that before Tuesday. Packers general manager Brian Gutekunst addressing the media following the draft over the weekend. So with Aaron Rodgers gone and a new era ushered in, what's the holdup with a contract extension? It's a lot of money for a guy who hasn't you know, played, but um, at the same time, obviously, we're, we're moving forward with him, so we'll, we'll figure that out by Tuesday. Love's fifth-year option is worth $20.3 million. And lastly, over to the NBA, behind 45 points from James Harden, the Philadelphia 76ers take Game 1 of the best of seven over the reigning Eastern Conference champs, the Boston Celtics, by a final of 119-115. to 115. Jason Tatum led Boston with 39, and MVP frontrunner Joel Embiid did not play due to a knee injury. The Denver Nuggets also take a commanding two-game lead, over the Phoenix Suns with a 97-87 win. Chris Paul had to leave the game in the third quarter due to a groin injury, and he would not return. Round two of the NBA playoffs continue tonight with a pair of games beginning with the Heat and Knicks at 6.30. Coming up, so Hollywood writers are on strike. What that means for your TV and streaming viewing next on Wisconsin's Morning News. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, what can- Well, this morning, Hollywood writers have walked off the job, touching off a national crisis. How are we to be entertained? Like, we're pretty worried about this. Reality TV shows, will they ramp up? Or more game shows? Are we going to have more game shows? But even then? those have writers. The game shows? Yeah. Ah. Somebody writes the stuff, the ins, the outs, the here's, the there's. Yeah. Reality TV shows aren't really reality. Somebody writes that garbage, That's too. <laughs> You're right. You're then just right. people pop off in their various ways, but they still get written, right? A lot of us, I bet, you've had an idea for a show, right? Oh yeah. Hey, you know, it'd be a good show, right? We all kind of, of think we've got those ideas. Remember that Seinfeld? The whole the whole thing was they were coming up with the idea for the show that really was Seinfeld, a show about nothing. I'm really serious. I think that's a good idea. Just talking? Well, what's the show about? It's about nothing. <laughs> No story? No, forget the story. You gotta have a story. Who says you gotta have a story? Well, you gotta have a story and somebody's gotta write it. Seems simple enough, right? Well, the writers, having walked off the show and off the job, ABC's Andrew Dimbert reports they are this morning not writing. More than 11,000 film and TV writers went on strike after the Writers Guild of America and a group representing TV networks and studios failed to agree on a contract. The first to feel the effects of the strike, late-night comedy shows like Jimmy Kimmel Live. The two sides are at odds over writers' pay for shows on streaming services, among other things. The writers say streaming's lack of a regular seasonal calendar has hurt their pay. Now, here's another misconception. I would have thought if you're a writer on, a, like, a hit show, and they're not all hit shows either. Folks are working and, you know, not everybody's writing mm-hmm, for Seinfeld mm-hmm, yep. or writing for Stranger Things or, you know, whatever your show. But even... You, you think you meet a Hollywood writer, 
hey, what do you do? I, I write. I write for TV shows. You're doing pretty good, right? You'd think, but not necessarily. Uh, apparently, that's not the case. Here's screenwriter Zach Stentz. The industry has changed in huge ways in the last five or ten years that have made it increasingly difficult for um, screenwriting to be a stable middle-class career. So he's talking about we can't even get at a stable middle-class career. So, sure, are there some writers who are doing better than others? Of course. But, you know, this large pool of people who write for all of these things, he's saying, like, we can't get can't get this to be a middle-class job right now with how things have played out. So we lose the late-night shows almost immediately, right? Because that's then, sort of writing in real time. And then network is next. The network TV shows would be next. And then the streaming. Does this mean we'll never see Stranger Things? <laughs> or is that already <laughs> it's written? Already still never. Sh- right? <laughs> My goodness. This is going to delay that for another three years. They'll all have kids by the time they finish that show. Seriously, one of them was engaged. The star yeah. of the show, what's her name? Right. Um... Oh, Bobby Brown, Millie Bobby yeah, Millie Brown. Millie Bobby Brown. Or, yep, yep. She's engaged yeah. to be like married to a man. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is happening, but she's supposed to be playing a teenager. Yep. So, right, there, there is all of that. I think their, their point is like you used to, you make a show, it runs for enough seasons, it gets syndicated, and then there are these residuals that are constantly paid out and constantly paid out. And apparently how it's playing out with streaming, if your show goes to one of the streaming services or say it, you know, all the networks have their own streaming services mm-hmm, mm-hmm. now. Apparently, the pay there's some sort of disparity there from what it used to be to what it is now. And the writers are saying we're not raking on on that those residuals anymore. And the studio is saying, "Hey, look, we don't even know what the streaming market's going to look like in five years." You know, their their complaint is, hey, "You know, how can we put more structure into something that may change again?" That's the argument. The other thing that what's odd about it is there's tons of work. There are a billion shows. Yeah. All these new streaming services created so many different opportunities for writers, yet at the same time, whoever they're like not gaining traction in terms of what it takes to make a living at it. Well, the writer strike is on just in time for May sweeps, too. Not as important as it used to be, like the big May shows, mm-hmm. but that's when everything comes to the dramatic climax yeah. in your show. They leave you with the the cliffhanger, so you come back next year. Who did Sam propose to? <laughs> yes. The word out this morning, Hollywood, get ready for reruns. What did you do today? I got up and came to work. There's a show. That's a show. (laughs) How is that a show? Well, uh, maybe maybe something happens to you on the way to work. No, 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 nothing happens. (laughs) Well, something happens. Well, why am I watching it? Because it's on TV. (laughs) Not yet. At 541, we discussed yesterday who would be assigned this duty, and we also discussed it wasn't going to be me. (laughs) Eric was assigned the task to troll through social media and all the video coverage of the Met Gala. So find the most outrageous yes. performances and outfits. The fundraiser for the Metropolitan Museum of Arts Fashion Institute. So basically, it's artwork, right? But on people. So it's it's people walking on the in New York. There, all these celebrities wearing the most outrageous fashion costumes. Is that how outfits. it started? Like, so is that a theme? Like, you're supposed. I mean, I know now it's like you're supposed to dress in something that's out- outrageous. Sure. But was that, uh, I'm wearing the art? Was that how this yeah, all started? Kind of, Instead of just getting dressed up? Yeah, to, to be There's some art. spectacular, if you will. Sabrina! 
Serena Williams went public with her bump, parading past reporters in a black and white trimmed form-fitting Chanel gown alongside her husband Alex Ohanian. And she wasn't the only one. Rihanna and ASAP Rocky showed off their second baby in the making, the singer told E.T. No cravings, tons of nausea, everything's different, but I'm enjoying it. Jared Leto, Lil Nas X, and Doja Cat all paid tribute to honoree Karl Lagerfeld's beloved Kitty Choupette, who posted to Instagram she chose to stay cozy at home. A cockroach did cause havoc when it crawled the white carpet. Deborah Rodriguez, CBS News. There was a bug. I saw that thing. (laughs) A big old bug walking like everyone's like, ooh, taking pictures. Why didn't somebody get down and try to interview that bug? Well, I haven't I haven't scanned all of social media. Maybe they did. Uh, Doja Cat, um, <laughs> she's a musician. She was uh, looked like a cat. Like she actually had like cat prosthetics. Didn't on her just face. look like a cat. <laughs> was also meowing. <laughs> was interviewed and meowed for the interview. <laughs> but it's for Meow. the art. It's for the art. The fundraiser that it was. Okay, let's say there's some sort of a, and right. Like, it's hard for us to put ourselves in the shoes of people that are invited to that or get to go to that. But, like, let's just say there's some some Milwaukee equivalent. Okay. The Milwaukee Art Museum, okay? And the idea awesome. is you need to dress. What are you wearing? You're just showing up in a tux, right? Uh, I'd probably wear a dog costume and bark. <laughs> <laughs> or you wear a tux with a collar and then bark? <laughs> yeah, probably. That's a good question. I don't know. I'd have to, like, find some local fashion... Uh, Fashion trend or For lotion trendsetter that helped me with something like that. It's mostly the women that go with an outrageous look, but there were some dudes. No, uh, no, Mandalorian guys, guy showed up in shorts. Yeah, he had like a long red blazer on with shorts on, uh, and then like guy, half-length socks and no, dress shoes. Yep. Another guy had a um, he had a giant cape that like sprawled across oh, all the stairs now we're with talking. a big portrait on it. Like there's enormous. Like you can't take that to the bathroom. Like I don't know how you even sit down <laughs> with that giant thing. Here, on. hold my cape. I got to go, <laughs> go take care of this. 545, Brandon's got sports next. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. The NFL Draft is now complete, and for now, the focus for Matt LaFleur and the Green Bay Packers is finding out where all their new pieces fit in. Again, it's going to be pretty fluid, I would say, throughout the course of the offseason in terms of what we're going to do. But, um, you know, I think our job as coaches is to find out what people do the best and put them in those situations and, and still always trying to work on uh, maybe what are perceived weaknesses or whatever, but uh, just really excited about the group overall. I think we, we definitely got better. Uh, now it's now it's on us to try to develop these guys as quickly as possible and, and put them in situations where they can showcase their talents. With a roster that has gotten much younger, the Packers and Matt LaFleur, though, they're excited to see what they got in their rookies heading into 2023. Well, I think the expectations are to, to put in the work each and every day and, and get better and better and better. But um, never going to limit what we can and cannot do. We just got to find out what works best. Uh, certainly... Having a lot of youth is exciting because you really don't know until you get these guys in here and start to work with them. But um, I, I do think we've got some talented players to work with, and we'll see what they can handle. The Packers' rookie minicamp kicks off this Friday and will run over the course of the weekend, wrapping up on Sunday afternoon. Over to the Diamond, where the Milwaukee Brewers are back in action tonight, and they begin a six-game road trip that starts in Colorado the crew will have three against the Rockies and three against the San Francisco Giants before they return home next week. 
For tonight, Freddie Peralta is slated to get the start for the crew with a first pitch scheduled for 740. You can tune in right here, as always, on WTMJ, your home of the Milwaukee Brewers, beginning at 705. Coming up, I quit my job so I could warn you about what I made. Siding Unlimited, WTMJ News Time 547. Perfect. It's exactly what's happening here. Yeah. The guy's saying I created a monster and there's nothing I can do about it. Okay, let, let's back up first. Well, I did say people were going to die. I mean, it's kind of a Musk watch, but not really a Musk watch. I mean, Elon Musk is in this, but it's not all about Elon Musk. So does uh, this make you it don't a, have to justify the Musk watch to anyone. Okay, well, we can, uh, it can all be a Musk watch. I, but it's also artificial intelligence based, so it's more of an AI thing, so maybe we should do that instead. If my intelligence is artificial, then why am I smarter? than you. All right. So we'll start with Elon Musk. So okay, so it on, is a Musk watch. It kind of. I just want to make uh, everyone likes to play along here. Yes. So for everyone listening, this is a Musk watch for Tuesday, May 2nd. <laughs> okay, good. Um, all right, if you're so scoring along at home, folks. Elon Musk was on with Bill Maher over the weekend on HBO yeah, I saw on some his of that. show. It was a pretty fascinating interview, and he talked about AI, and he basically reiterated, hey, we have to do something about it. It has to be regulated. We should have some sort of regulatory oversight. So, uh, you know, for anything that is a danger to the public, uh, if it's sort of uh, aircraft, uh, cars, uh, food and drug and whatnot, we've got some regulatory oversight, like a referee, essentially, and making sure that uh, companies don't cut corners. So um, I think that since, if one, if one agrees that, uh, AI is a potential risk to the public, then there should be some regulatory body that uh, oversees uh, what companies are doing so that they don't cut corners and potentially do something very dangerous. Okay. <laughs> I love that we have the, the people who are creating this are also begging for someone yes. to come in and yeah. say, please like, tell us what we can't do. Tell me what the guidelines are, right? Where's the curb? So then you have the godfather of artificial intelligence calling it quits at Google, says, I'm out. So he can freely warn people about what he took part in creating. God save us. Dr. Jeffrey Hinton, known as the godfather of AI, says he stepped down so he can freely discuss the dangers of AI. He tells the New York Times that he's worried about artificial intelligence taking jobs from people and also misinformation. His biggest concern, fake videos, photos, text. He says the average person will not be able to know what is true anymore. And Were there already without right, AI? Yeah, kind of. Kind of. You're right. He says it will be hard to see how you can prevent the bad actors from using this for bad things. So that's Dr. Jeffrey Hinton used to work at Google. He's saying there's a problem. You got Elon Musk saying there's a problem. Hey, this has got to be regulated. So what does that tell you? <laughs> if you have the guys creating it, calling, begging for someone to regulate this. But my question, too, is how would regulation even work? How is Senator Shinlinden in Washington supposed to know what's going on in the back rooms at Google or any of these other companies? Like, See, that's you know, a, like what, what, what does regulation look like? That's even? a great point because they don't even know. Like, they struggle to say the TikTok and the Facebook. Right. Like, they don't even know social media stuff. How in the world <laughs> they can have any idea <laughs> about know, AI. Regulate AI. Yeah. Here's what you need to do, Elon. Or, right. Or to know what's happening in some lab in Silicon Valley. Right. So, but that's got to be the next step with something like this. If it's getting to this point, I, I remember there was a guy, a former, I don't know if he's still there. His name was Ray Kurzweil. He was a Google expert, computer science guy. He said a few years ago that by 2029, 
we will have singularity, meaning that robots will be smarter than humans. What is that? I'm sorry, what? We'll have singularity? Yeah, like that that AI or super AI or whatever will be stronger and more intelligent than humans are. So basically the Terminator. Kind of, yeah. Totally. But, but you assume Skynet. That, right, Skynet went active on <laughs> yeah. what, what was the date? Right. But you assume, Debbie, that they're going to hate us. I mean, it's possible. That this is true. They'll There's find some, us lovely. Some will be Rosie the Robot, and she'll love us and be our nanny and stuff like the other ones will be trying to rip our heads off. Right. Or use us as batteries. To help. <laughs> batteries. Oh, man. <laughs> well, so what would we use it for? What, what would be the main reason for AI not to be pulled back, right? Well, Elon Musk was active, asked about that by Marr. And he brings up this Kurzweil guy, and he says it's really about living forever. That would be the main reason people wouldn't want to curb AI. Digital superintelligence is as the only thing that can figure out how to get them to live forever. I think Kurzweil is in that category. So he would prefer to have AI, artificial general intelligence, than, than not, uh, because it can figure out longevity. <laughs> longevity. Like in our current body or like another movie where like you, my brain exists? Exactly. Your consciousness has yeah, been transferred right. over to a robot like Sheldon Cooper wants. See, I think it'd be actually be pretty simple to have a replica of your conscious talking to like loved ones, but it wouldn't be you. It'd be just the things that you normally would say. So if you were gone and I would ask you questions, you'd have like your Seinfeld references in there that you'd spin back. <laughs> right. Because it would know this is this is this guy's library of yeah. things from which he draws. Yeah. Might be an accent or two, Irish accent, maybe a British accent in there. Do they have a fail safe for this? Like, is there like a special code word or See, a button or a plug they can pull? Isn't it, it the gets plug? Under, right, you know? just unplug it. I wondered about that, Debbie. Could you have some kind of safe word? Like, would that would there be a way to say something? Just kind of like now how you press all the buttons to prove you're not a robot by pressing right, where the yeah. bicycle is in the picture? Like, would there be something like that? Banana. <laughs> I don't know yeah, but then, but be. then the artificial intelligence would learn that word right. and be able to use... I mean, there's got to be some sort of a fail-safe. It's going to outsmart us at every turn. The Good safe Lord. word is Skynet. <laughs> business headline sponsored by Old National Bank. Get old. Here's the Milwaukee Business Journal's Sean Ryan. I'll be back.